and we're officially live now. And you know, I, I totally did not bury the lead with my description when I posted this. So Blake, I wrote, COVID-19 almost killed my old friend, Blake Smith. Always put the most interesting words first, and that's, that's what hooks him in. Uh, Blake's a longtime outstanding member of the Chicago music community and an incredible storyteller. He's here to talk about his experience. There's the intro right there, Blake Smith. Hi. Uh, yeah, that is an incredible intro. And, uh, I, you know, as an incredible storyteller, this, this, this isn't a very happy one or a very funny one. So, so all right, well, let's get to that. Just to put you in context, you I mentioned you're a longtime part of the Chicago music community. Uh, people may remember you from this band, Big Dish. I remember back around the time of the first Fig Dish album, uh, my friend said, is that the Fuck You Toaster Band? Yes, it is the Fuck You Toaster Band. That's my musical legacy in this town. I'll take uh-huh. it. Fig Dish. Fig Dish. They did the porn video you might remember. Um, really early Fig Dish. James, I have kids. <laughs> They're really like early. I can't believe I still have this Fig Dish. Then, of course, the later years. I don't have any forgotten species hard copies. Uh, I think we made we made some in uh, Prairie Cartel. The thing that we did, Mike and I did, who was in uh, Caviar and Fig Dish, did with right. Scott from Local H. Um, I have a bunch of those in my garage. If anybody wants to come get some, I'll be right over because I, I clearly don't have those either. It's good. It's an interesting record. It's not like anything Scott's done or we've done. So it's good. And as you mentioned, Scott Lucas and Mike and Fig Dish, the fact that you survived the 90s music scene with the people you were hanging out with makes me think that there was no way COVID-19 was going to take you out like you were going to get to the other side come hell or high water uh yeah that was a time where I I can't believe people didn't die during that it was uh again I have children James so I can't go into too much detail but there were (laughs) a lot of of late nights a lot of uh poor choices being made (laughs) again Uh, so let's let's talk. I mean, this is the only thing we talk about now is COVID-19. I, I realize I do this podcast every night and we kind of talk about other things, but it always comes back to this. And it gets to the point where I don't even want to have conversations outside of my podcast because that's all there is to talk about is COVID-19. But the fact is we need to keep talking about it. And the fact is you, sir, are the first person who I know personally who is really affected by this. We all kind of hear friends of a friend and so on. But you're the first person I know who really had a direct and horrific impact. Yeah. I mean, I, I tested positive. I definitely had it possibly still have it. Um, I've been sick for, and then this is a scary part is, uh, there's a lot of disinformation about it, but I, I tested positive on March 19th and, um, I was feeling a little bit better last week. I feel like felt like crud the first three days of this week. I feel okay today. Um, it's it's funny, like you're, you're sick of talking about COVID-19 and I'm sick of having it. It's been seven weeks. I, I can pinpoint the day because it involves a good local band. Um, when I started to feel like, well, can I swear on this? Yeah. Like absolute shit. And uh, uh, you're sick of talking about it. I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of having it. And when I was in this, uh, I went through like a 23 day stretch of having a fever of 102 or 103 in a row. 23 days with that high of fever. Yep. So the bullshit that you're hearing at the you know White House briefings and everything, they, they it's not what's actually happening out there. You know, and I was in the Northwestern emergency room watching people like drop like flies. I mean, it, it was terrifying, but uh, 
Um, I'm basically sick of having it. This is like this like super irritating friend that just won't, every day I'd wake up, I'd be like, do I feel good today? God damn it, it's still, <laughs> still sick. And at a certain point, it just sort of does your head in. It's just, it's, it, it hurts and I shouldn't joke about it because people are dying. Um, I, I had a couple of really sketchy days, but just the length of it is just, it's just so fucking irritating. It's like, get out of my house, you know, after a certain point. So 23 days with that high of a fever, at what point did you say, I need to go to the hospital? What am I doing? I That was after I went to the hospital. I, I had been traveling for work. I, I was in Nashville and San Francisco at the end of February, then flew to New York at the beginning of March. Um, and, uh, you know, they all thought that I got it in New York, but then they found out that the timeline in San Francisco was probably longer than they thought and it was there earlier. So nobody really knows. Honestly, what difference does it make? But um, I uh, was going to go to the Rookie, uh, the great, great, great local Chicago band, uh, Rookie. The record release party was supposed to be an empty bottle, um, which if we're going to promote Chicago right now, we should. One of the best music venues in the, in the country, and I've played all of them, uh, most of them. And uh, was going to go with some friends. I was, we were psyched. We loved the band. They're a great live band. And... Uh, by about, I woke up, felt fine by about two in the afternoon, and I haven't spent it, spent a day in bed in like twenty years from being sick. I was just like, "Fuck, I, I can't go to the empty bottle tonight." I'll, you know, not knowing that I had this yet, spent six days in bed, and then on the nineteenth, finally, it was hard to find a place to even test you, so I had to go up to uh, Niles to get tested. I live in Lincoln Square, um, home of old guys, old aging indie rockers pushing strollers and loco shirts, but I had to go all the way up to Niles and they put me through a whole bunch of things in the waiting room before they'd even like let me back in the examination rooms. And then they test you for flu first. And if you test positive for flu, they send you packing. I mean, it was really, they had so few tests despite what um, certain leaders in the country say. Um, it, it, I had to jump through a lot of hoops to get tested. And then, you know, they tested, tested me and sent me, I drove home. I was like driving double down Western Avenue. I'm sorry. I scared any of you. And, uh, and then, you know, a couple hours later, the health department called me and said, oh, you're positive. And then they grilled me, you know, and I'm running like a hundred at this point, like 104 fever. And some person with the health department asked me like 70 questions with multiple parts. And I was like, ah, <laughs> you know. And it was clear they didn't really know what they were dealing with, and they were just yeah. collecting as much data as they could. So you get the diagnosis. The Department of Public, of Public Health confirms it. Yeah. What, what happened next? When, when you say you almost died, I mean, were you like near ventilator level? No, I was having I was having problems. I couldn't climb like ten stairs, and you know, I'm I you know I move a lot in my life, and I, I'm pretty active. And it's, you know, I run and stuff. And it was very weird not to be able to climb stairs. And then there was a couple of days where I couldn't get from, you know, I only have one TV in the house. So to get to my Netflix, I had to go from my bed to my couch. And that became like an overwhelming experience. And I have to rest on the couch before I could get to the remote control. I mean, this is dead serious, not exaggerating. And that's when I started to think, like, I'm, I might have a problem. Yeah. You know, when we looked in the remote control, I was like, <gasps> so, you know, I went in, I went to Northwestern and the people there were amazing. Um, I tried to go closer to home and nobody would let me in. 
yeah, then the question, it's, it's funny. It's like a club you're trying to get into where you're like, I want to get a test and you can't get one. You finally maneuver your way and get a test. You test positive. You want to go see a doctor and no one will see you. <laughs> yeah. It's really crazy. And Northwestern had this triage out on uh, Erie, you know, the white tent, like the whole, you know, scary movie virus situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they lasered my forehead and they're like, okay, you got a fever. So now you go, you pass. So you go to the next place. And they, I mean, it was like another five sets of hoops. And then I got in the emergency room. They had a, you know, person at the door, not, you know, basically armed that wouldn't let people in because people were like trying to get in. I mean, God, I cannot, <laughs> I can't tell you how bad I feel for these people that this is their job all day long, you know, it's to deal with this. And I got in the emergency room and I saw a couple of people just collapse off of the chairs because they had an emergency room just for COVID positive people. And, uh, you know, it, uh, I don't even know where to go with that. It, it, it's a nightmare. It, it was a waking nightmare. Yeah. So did you have shortness of breath? Was it, difficult to, to draw yeah, in. I couldn't breathe. I lost my taste and smell went. Um, I just, did but, that happen? Did that happen before everything else kicked in? Did you notice? Cause that's what they say is a precursor or can be a precursor. Well, James, I'm a huge fan of really, really hot, hot sauce. So I, I like the scorpion peppers and the ghost peppers. And so, um, if I'm eating something bland, I'm not really registering it anyway. And so I just kind of chalked it up to that. So I'm not sure the chronological order of how everything happened. I want to say hi to Jeannie, who's watching right now. She says, glad you're okay now, Blake, which we can all well, agree you. on. Uh, you feel well enough to have a beer, right? You're having a beer? I, this is part of the recovery? <laughs> um, yeah, the emergency room said you have to drink an IPA from local breweries. So I, 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 have a, I live by Half Acre, and so they're, they're my homies. But um, this is a solemn oath. Sorry, Half Acre. It's a motorcycle sandals, and it, it's quite tasty. Solemn oath does really good work. We have an embarrassment of riches in the micro uh, brewery industry here. We absolutely do. So you were you had that fever for as long as you did, and you said there were two hospital stays or two hospital visits during yeah, the problem? visits. They they booted me out of Northwestern um, because you know they were short on stuff, and there were people I could walk, I could talk, and there were people that kind of couldn't, and so they were just like you know, sorry, go home. You know, do you have a ride? And I was like, no, I don't have a ride. I have a <laughs> deadly pen, you know, contagion in my body or pathogen. And, uh, you know, drove myself down Lakeshore Drive, you know, back to Montrose. And uh, they just sent me home and just said, you know, if you can't breathe, come back or call an ambulance. I mean, they were strapped, though. It wasn't their fault. They, they, uh, what, what people are saying about, you know, we have we have the test. We have tremendous tests, great tests, the best test. I mean, it's, it's total fucking bullshit. Um, my brother-in-law is a ER doctor and, you know, I've been talking to him almost daily and he's, he's like, we don't know what this thing is yet. We don't have the, we don't have the stuff we need. Like, it's just all horseshit. This may be, this is a personal question. You can answer it however you see fit. Did you have any pre-existing conditions that would have exacerbated your infection? Okay. I was born with a uh, congenital heart defect. Did you know that already? No. Yeah, so I have a uh, uh, bicuspid aortic valve. So when you have three flaps, normally like putting the blood out, I've got two, so some of the blood goes back in. It's a regurgitation. And 
that was actually, despite my fever, my shortness of breath, everything else, that is how I actually got the fucking test, is I set up a bicuspid <laughs> aortic valve, and then they all went, we'll test you, <laughs> finally. I mean, they were hoarding these tests. I mean, it's crazy. Well, and the pre-existing condition just got you bumped up. It got you from coach to first class. Yeah, thank you, bad deck of cards. I was dealt at birth, yeah. So what kind of, I, I guess, release orders or marching orders were you left it with? Like, what? what's the expectation moving forward? You're just kind of going day by day, hoping that each day doesn't suck worse than the previous one right now. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, like I said, I had a little rough patch at the beginning of the week, like not, not anything like what I had before, but just like a two steps forward, one step backwards type thing. And I feel pretty good today. Obviously, as I'm drinking beer on a wild Friday night over here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they now it's like I, they were running a drive-through testing site near near where I live. And I thought about going in to see if I tested negative. But my brother-in-law was like, what's, what's the point? Like, some of the people stop having symptoms for a long time. They, they, nobody knows that they're shedding. You could test positive for another two months. We're seeing people coming in that we discharge. Like nobody, nobody knows, you know, no one knows. What would you like people who are listening to this or watching this to know or think about having heard what you've been through? Uh, that's a tough one. You know, I, I we, we didn't get into what I do for a living, but I, you know, I run, uh, entertainment for a large hotel company and you know a lot of our conversations are my favorite thing in the world is to go see a good band in a small club right i was psyched to go see the rookie record release party they're an amazing live band you know I've, you know it sucks to have that taken away but i'm also just you know debating when it's safe to put large groups of people in a room together so yeah you know what i've been doing is going online and buying, you know, local bands, all Chicago bands like Twin Peaks and you know, obviously Rookie. Uh, I bought a Russian Circles t-shirt the other day because it looked cool. I'm not my kind of, not my lane of music, but I was like, sweet graphics dudes. And, you know, I saw you, have seen you a few times and bought that. So I just kind of go out on Bandcamp and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Hello Merch and places like that. I'm just like, just buying a bunch of records and t-shirts to keep people going. Cause you know, we don't, we know the record labels take everything these days and yeah. bands actually make money is playing live and they can't do that. And so now you're going to be stuck with the, the very richest bands making all the music. And, and, you know, as we both know, that's the shittiest music on earth. So we gotta, we gotta go out and support the, the good bands that you like. Look, you know, I, I, yeah, there's small bands all over the world that I love, but, um, you know, I live in Chicago and we got to take care of those people first, you know, for sure. I, today was Bandcamp's uh, fee-free day. Or Kudos to Fee-free day. Uh, so basically, Bandcamp takes 15% off all sales, all independent artist sales that happen on the site. But for these days, they're doing these uh, the beginning of each month. No fees taken off, so the bands make 100% of every sale they make. So I spent an hour and a half on Bandcamp this morning because it was also moving very slowly, which I think is a good sign. Uh, it was moving very slowly this morning. And I just started moving stuff over to the cart. I'm like, that's not so bad. Then I got to the the checkout phase. I'm like, oh yeah, shipping. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it's what it is. I have spent a little bit of money on vinyl lately. I got to say, and and Bandcamp, like kudos to them. Um, they've always kind of come across as the people that actually care about the artists. It, it's got to be. I don't know the people that run it, but um, I'm sure that was somewhere in their 
mission statement when we started the company and what's up Spotify or move man. Right. Uh, going back to your life as working for the hotels and or the hotel and handling entertainment. I, I think part of the issue that your company might be facing is I think people are going to be frightened to just go to a hotel period, not just for live music, but just stay in a space that other occupants have been in less than 24 hours ago. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. So as not every hotel company has nightclubs and live venues and, you know, cool bars and everything. So 99% of the people in the hotel industry just come from like Marriott or Hyatt and their mentality is it's like rooms, anything else is gravy, but it's about rooms. And the brand I work for, we do a lot of entertainment and big events, you know, and it's funny watching some of the, some of the people are kind of, trenching back to like, well, we're gonna, we gotta keep the restaurants closed and the bars closed and just focus on rooms. And I've, I've been on some, you know, pretty heated calls where, you know I'm saying? Look, you know, I didn't grow up working in the hotel industry. This is sort of a, uh, something that I just fell into. And as a consumer, I don't wanna stay in a hotel room either. I don't, you know, I don't wanna touch a remote control. I don't wanna touch a toilet handle. And, you know, it's, it, but when people start dipping their toe back in the water of being like a consumer, I think it's going to be at their favorite restaurant or the bar to go or go to, to go see a band that they love. I don't think it's going to be to travel, you right. know, an airport, get in a plane and go to a hotel room. So, you know, I, it, it's tough, but then you get to the restaurants and we're discussing disposable menus and, you know, everybody wants to be green. All of our buildings are LEED certified, but, you know, now you're talking about what's safe versus what's good for the planet. And it's the the intricacies of how to move forward. It's, it's just endless, you know, and, and think about clubs. I was reading something on my newsfeed yesterday that somebody came up with someone that can like a device that when you walk into a venue, it disinfects you. I mean, like a misting tent. Yeah, like a misting tent, like almost like a metal detector. And when you walk through, it disinfects you. And so now we can have Lollapalooza or, you know, pitchfork. And I'm just thinking either that doesn't work or it, it can't be good for you. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's like something out of the hot zone. We are in the hot zone. Yeah. It's crazy. It, 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 I don't... It's frightening. And, you know, I, I, I love pitchfork and going to that festival every year and, you know, Lollapalooza is so good for Chicago. Um, but I, I just, they haven't officially canceled either of them yet. Have they? I don't know about Pittsburgh. Lollapalooza hasn't said anything yet. It's interesting, you know. Um, I, I I love what they do for the city, and it's so much fun to attend both of those. But I I don't know how to feel uh, morally on that at this point. So, well, I, just today, Rage Against the Machine uh, announced all their postponed dates deep into 2021. They were supposed to be at the United Center and Alpine or in May and June, I think, respectively. Uh, yeah, that's all pushed back an entire year. And even then, there's the caveat of as long as public health won't be affected, because no one knows. Yeah, well, don't get me started on that band, you know, being the band of the people and charging $130 for a ticket. Um, you know, they're not Fugazi people. <laughs> I want to say hi to Dennis, uh, Dennis Buckley. He himself, a survivor of the 90s music scene in Chicago, 88 Fingers Louie, a fine fine band uh, who has a new release on Bandcamp today since we're going to be promoting Chicago music uh, the reunion show from Concord 
Mr. Precision dug that one up. It is available for download and purchase. Fine band. Uh, Blake, I guess in summary, I'm glad you're alive. Um, yeah, me too. I got to say. Um, and thank I, I'm you. sorry you went through this. I, I'm, I'm sorry anyone's going through this. Yeah, have me back on this one. We can talk about something funny. <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's get past all this, and I would love nothing more. But I, I realize, you know, it's everyone's going through their own thing around this. You had this very visible and very painful physical experience that you're not quite over yet. Well, you, you have children, right? Yeah. I mean, I know you have kids, for a fact. Um, are you homeschooling right now? <laughs> all right. My son is 18. This is his senior year of high school. Wait, Noah's 18 already? Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Uh huh. So his entire second half of the senior, like second half of senior year is a wash anyway. Like the, the kids blow it off anyway. But yeah, like, but it's the best kind of wash possible. That's exactly. What, that's what they're missing. Yeah. But there, it was just announced there are no finals. Like it's, it's just nothing. It's nothing is real. Nothing is happening. And it was a bummer for him. And I've told a lot of people, a lot of my friends, you know, one of the hardest things I think for him was after playing baseball with the same kids since kindergarten, this was going to be his last year. You know, the last time these boys play together, go on the road trip to St. Louis, like just one last trip around. And, you know, his season ended before it even started, which was in incredibly saddening. To him so there's that there's you know the lack of a prom the lack of a commencement all those things we kind of grew up with and built our senior year around not happening all the things everybody did you know yeah i personally hated prom but i wouldn't trade it for no prom you know what i mean at least exactly got, at least i got to hate it um <laughs> but i mean it's all part of being 18 it is you know? yeah for sure we are and you know i wonder if all these and we're way off topic, but I, I just wonder if all these, you know, teenagers and stuff, like if they're going to have normal relationships when they go to college, you know, or don't go to college, you know. Well, that's, that's the question. I mean, for incoming freshmen, I can't imagine universities or dormitories having double occupancy. I would imagine that all incoming freshmen would probably have to be single occupancy in those dorms, yeah. which creates, I mean, it can be pretty isolating going to school that freshman year when you don't know anybody add that layer on top of it. And it, I mean, it, it becomes a really challenging social scenario an emotional scenario. I don't have a crystal ball to see how education is going to work. I just know that, you know, my kids go to CPS, they, they, they go to Coonley by the way. And, uh, the teachers were so caught off guard. Like they're still, it's been, you know, CPS has been shut down for weeks and they're still figuring out how online working or education works. And, you know, I've got a couple of kids and they're in different grades and there's, you know, parent, check into this platform, create a password, and then go to this one to get this and this and that. And, you know, you spend like four or five hours a day homeschooling your kids. And then they hate you because you're the <laughs> teacher now, you know? It's like a lose-lose. Well, my daughter, who's graduating eighth grade this uh, this month, her schooling from home is not that deep. Like, the parents are, don't have to do anything other than check her in in the morning. And she's done with her work at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, there's just okay. where, where are you living right now? What town? I'm in Skokie. Mm, Skokie. All right. Well, you know, get your kids back down to, to, to CPS because they've like, now that the teachers aren't actually working, that it's like my, my sixth grader is doing like crazy fucking shit. Like, you know, talking about bureaucracy and, you know, regulatory measures about how COVID has forced certain legacy bureaucrats and entities to have to change the way they do things that they were resisting because they made more money off, off of it, you know, and 
my son's like, dad, you know, what does it mean when a bureaucrat, you know, is pro-regulatory this to, you know, benefit big business education? And I'm just like closing the laptop, taking a huge <laughs> fly, grabbing a beer. And I'm like, son, it's time to watch Escape from New York. It's always time to watch Escape from New York. Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Adrian Barbeau. The genius I, of John Carpenter. It's, the genius of John Carpenter. But I think care. since we are similarly aged, I, I think you, like me, probably became a man watching Adrian Barbeau in Escape from New York. That was part <laughs> of our maturation cycle. I'm not sure if I, if I feel like a man now. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know when I watched Little Women, actually. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I want to say hi to Doug Julin, uh, another fine local and sunshine boys sunshine boys who also have a brand new release i, I just picked it up today in fact on cd uh on Bandcamp. great part That's of their fee free day uh and dogs dog wrote something really funny about it too on the soon to be obsolete compact disc or handy but soon to be obsolete compact disc format something clever like that which is appropriate coming from dog julian yeah, he is nothing but clever. I've been uh, used to sneak into clubs when I was like 14 to watch the Slugs play um, 21 and over shows and uh, just obsessed with the, the Slugs in their prime. Were, were They were a force. I, I've told Doug this probably over and over again, but Clock That Won't Stop is one of the first songs I ever played on college radio. Yeah. From Nonstop Holiday. Yeah, Nonstop Holiday is great. Uh-huh. Great. He knows I, I've, I've, we run into each other about once every seven years, and I'm always like, oh man, I'm so it's, a, it's embarrassing. <laughs> all right. So, Blake, when all this passes, we will talk again, and it'll be all happy stories. We'll talk about music again. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about music sometime. That'd be great. But, long story short, you've been through hell. You're still wrestling your way out of it. I have a digital fireplace, so it can't be that bad. I was going to ask, but I didn't want to insult you in case it was real and I just wasn't seeing it correctly. The flames of hell are blue, in case you're wondering. When this is all over, we'll chat again. We'll talk music. I want to thank everyone who has been listening and, and watching on Facebook Live. That right there, he's Blake Smith. He is alive and well, and uh, we're we're the better for it. Thank you for watching. Oh, stop it. Stop that. All right. How do you get out of this, James?